begin to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. We're ministering on what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. We'll do a quick review of some of the things we went over last week, then we get into what God wants to say to us today. Amen? So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12 reads, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that come up against us. Then he says, Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Once again, we have all faced situations and circumstances in our lives where our brain has just went tilt. Come on, say amen, somebody. We all had situations where we just don't seem to, we don't see a immediate answer, amen, or perhaps we don't see any way, any shape, fashion, or out, fashion, or form out of this situation that we're in. So what we're doing right now is we're reading in the Old Testament. And because we're reading the Old Testament, the Old Testament can teach us a lot of things. The Old Testament gives us examples of what not to do so we don't have the same fate as the children of Israel when they did something stupid, when they didn't know what to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, God gave us the Old Testament so that you could see what happened when people were faced with certain situations, what they did, good or bad. Amen? So we get to learn from these things about God and we get to learn from these, from, from these things about mankind. Because everything we see today in our time, you can find it in the Old Testament. You can find somebody who faced it. You can find somebody who dealt with it. And you can see what they did. And then you can see whether they went God's way or they went a different way. Amen. So we're looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, and we've seen where it said, neither know they what to do. Or he said, neither know we what to what? What to do. So once again, as we walk through this text, if it doesn't fit you today, I guarantee you one day it will. Let me say it again. If it doesn't fit you today, I guarantee you one day it will. So go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, look at verse 1. Go back to, to verse 1. And the reason it came to pass after this also, that the children or armies of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to do what? To battle. So we know Jehoshaphat has three armies coming against him. And we also know this is a life and death scenario because why? The purpose for these three armies coming to conquer, amen, they're coming to do what? They're coming to annihilate you conquer you, come on, they come to pillage, they come to plunder, they're coming to rape, they're coming to steal, and they're coming to kill. So this is a very serious situation. And if they lose this battle, they will have to watch their wives and daughters get raped in front of them. They will have to watch their sons get slashed and beheaded and burned alive. Why? Because the kind of barbaric behavior you see on TV today, you've seen it back then in the Old Testament. 
Are you with me out there? Now look at verse 3. Because we're in a, they're in a dangerous situation. They got men coming against them. They're going to want pillage, plunder, rape, steal, and kill. And in verse 3 it says, And Jehoshaphat did what? He what? He feared. And then it said he set himself to do what? Seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all who? Judah. Now once again, when you look at the word fear, it can mean being afraid of what someone might do to you or being afraid of what might happen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Or the word fear can mean reverence. Well, here the word fear means Jehoshaphat reverenced something. Someone say he reverenced something. See, reverence came rather than him out of pure fear, come on, in mind, amen, getting scared that God was going to do something or the, or the people was going to do something. Instead, reverence came. And when reverence came, what did he do? He set himself to do what? Seek the Lord. And then he what? He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea or Judah. Now, we say that last Sunday, when you don't know what to do, especially if it's going to be serious, we stated the first thing you want to do, you want to make sure you're in a position where you know that you know that you know that you're clean. <laughs> okay, I got about five amens out there. You want to be in a position where you know that you know that you know that you're clean. So if you got sin in your life, you need to get rid of it. Stop it. Why? Because sin will plug up your hearing. Let me say it again. Sin will plug up your hearing. You will not be able to hear from God clearly if you're in sin. Now, the second thing you do when you don't know what to do, we talked about this last week. We said, don't panic. To your neighbor, don't panic. Whatever it is you may be dealing with, and you're confronted with a situation, the first rule of the Bible is not to panic. Stay calm. To your neighbor, stay calm. And we said, never make a decision out of these two things. You never make a decision out of fear or anger. Fear or anger. If you make a decision because you're afraid or you make a decision because you're mad, it will always be the wrong decision. Let me say that again. Never make a decision out of what two things? And what? And what happens if you make a decision if you're afraid or you're in fear? What's going to happen? You'll always what? Make the wrong decision. Go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. Because it says, be what? Give you time, you Bible turners, to get there. Cheaters are watching, watching the screen. <laughs> I don't know if you cheat or you're smart. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 says, be what? Be careful for 
want nothing. In other words, don't be anxious. And don't be troubled with cares. Not even one. That's what that means. Be careful for not even one. Be, no, don't be anxious for not even one. Don't be troubled with not one care. Tell your neighbor, not one. Come tell somebody else, not one. In other words, it's saying don't allow anxiety to grab a hold of you, period. But in everything, by what? Prayer and supplication or definite request with thanksgiving, let your what? Request be made known unto who? God. In other words, you have to know that you know that you know that you're not alone in this situation. You got to know that the Lord is on your side. You got to know that the Lord is what? On your side. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. Because what we see here is Jehoshaphat doing exactly what we just said. It said, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to do what? Seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. He starts what? He starts reverencing God. And he starts seeking him because why? He realizes he's not by himself in this situation. So he proclaims a fast to do what? To spend more time with God to find out what to do. Let me say it again. He proclaimed a fast to do what? To spend more time with God to find out what to do. If you're fasting for spiritual reasons, once again, it's simply to give yourself more time in prayer and study of the word. That's the purpose of the fast. And once again, the fast doesn't make you more spiritual. What makes you more spiritual, makes you more anointed, is you spending time with God. Let me say it again. You spending what? Time with God. So it says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to do what? Seek the Lord and proclaim their fast throughout all Judah, verse 4. And Judah did what? Gather themselves together to do what? Ask help of the Lord or to petition. Even out all the tribes of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Amen. They came to what? Seek the Lord. But it says they ask what? Help of the Lord. And we found out that word ask is a Hebrew word, bakash. And it means to search out by any method. Search out by any method. It means to strive after. It means to seek. It means to require. It means to desire, exact, or inquire. Somebody say inquire. In other words, they are inquiring of God. And they're open. Say open. They're open to whatever methodology God wants to speak to them. See, the word ask here means to open ourselves to whatever. Open ourselves to whatever. In other words, don't put tunnel vision on God. Are you listening to me out here? Well, because why? Because God will surprise you. And he will do things that you would never thought of. That's the way to get it done. And it'll be just what you need at the moment if you're open. But you got to be what? You got to be what? But if you close yourself 
to the lanes that only you can imagine, you are already in trouble. Because we serve a big God. And he can imagine big things. Come on. Your imagination can't stand toe-to-toe with God's imagination. He said he'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever even ask or imagine. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then in verse 5 it says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the what? New court, or we know that's the outer court. Well, what did they do here? They went to church. I know that's a revelation to somebody in this room. They went to church. Jehoshaphat went to church to inquire. Not to his natural advisor because kings had advisors. He didn't go to his advisor. He didn't go to his mama. He didn't go to his daddy, his cousin, or uncle, or best friend. Where he went to get this information was to the house of God. Come on. He's going to God, so he goes to the house of God, and that's what you need to do. And once again, there have been plenty of times while I was sitting in the house of God that the answer came to me on what to do and how to do it. But I was sitting where? In the house of God. Why? There are some things you can't get by watching television preachers. There are some things that you can't get by just watching television preachers. There are some things that you can't get just by watching television preachers. Uh, Y'all still want a week over here. I guess they beating you out this year, This, this week anyway, amen. There are some things that you can't get by just watching us on the internet. Let's go a little further. There are some things you can't get just by journeying on the early morning prayer on the telephone. That's why you need to find your way to the house of God. Why? Because in the house of God, the anointing is fresh. You're right in the anointing. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen? Amen? Now, I'm not talking about people who have a reason to be watching on the computer. Because why? Because they may be bedfast. Come on, say amen, somebody. But if you really don't have a legitimate reason, legitimate reason, you should be here. Okay. See, the amen's getting lower and lower. Why I say that? Because understand, there is no substitute for being here live. There is none. A CD can't do it. A DVD can't even do it. There's no substitute for being in the presence of God live. And until you get to understanding of that, you'll miss out on a lot of things because you think you can get it off the TV. Oh, it's got quiet. I hear the church mouse even clapping over there. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Let's keep reading. I guess I better keep reading. It got so quiet in here. Amen. But the truth is still the truth, folks. I don't care what you say. There are certain things you cannot get having your butt at home. Especially if you're in a dire situation. And I guarantee you there's some people in this room that are in a dire situation but still will not get themselves out the house. There's some things that you need to have people around you to pray through things, even at early morning prayer. And you can't get that at home. You can't even get that on the telephone, folks. Because majority of the time when you're on the telephone, on the prayer, you ain't really praying. Majority of the time, you're doing... be real you do not just put the phone on and say I'm just going to pray with them for a whole hour let me do a little dishes right here while I'm listening I can even put some laundry on while I'm doing all this Come on. there's no substitute for being live are you listening to me out there amen okay let's keep reading okay all right, all right. verse 6 since y'all want me to keep going. <laughs> and it says, and he said, and said, verse 6, and said. Now, we know words are exceptionally important. Why? Because words carry faith and words carry fear. We know words carry love and words definitely carry hate. Come on, say amen, somebody. Words set the tone and words is what causes people to move. Words is what causes even angels or devils to move. Amen. And words moves the hands of God and words also moves the hand of Satan. Why? Because words are absolutely vital. Tell your neighbor they're vital. Now we've seen that this man, what he said, amen, what he said when his life was on the line, what he said when his family's life was on the line, what he said when the nation's life was on the line, what did he say? He said, oh, Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and ruleth not thou over all the kingdoms of heaven, of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Then he says in verse 7, art not thou our God? Who did it what? Drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the what? Seed of Abraham, thy friend, for how long? Forever. All of these words have significance because why? This is Abraham's seed talking. Verse 8. And they dwelt therein, and I built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil come upon us, as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence. For thy name is in this house. And cry unto thee in our what? In our affliction. And then he said, then thou wilt hear and help. Notice the things he said. 
First of all, he went back to historically what he knew from what he had been taught in his synagogue. Come on, say amen, somebody. He went back and he referenced who God is. Let me say it again. He went back and he referenced who God is. The sad part about it, most people don't know who God is, so they don't say anything about God. If you don't know who God is, how are you going to reference who he is and how big he is in your life? That's why you exalt the bigness of your problem over the bigness of your God, because you don't know how big your God is. So he went back and referenced who, who God is, and he said, God, the world is yours. And there's nobody big enough to handle you, Lord. Then he goes on to say, and you are my God. Come on, say he's my God. Come on, say he's my God. But he's also saying something else. He's saying, look here, God. They don't know you. They don't have a covenant that we have. Come on, say amen, somebody. We know he's saying that because in verse 7 he says, Art not thou our God, who did it drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it, gave it to the what? To the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. That was the what? Abrahamic covenant. They said, we are Abraham's seed. Then verse 8, and they dwelt therein, and they have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, listen, we built this sanctuary for you, and you told us in the past. What are they doing? They're going to the word. How are you going to know the past if you don't go to find out what was written in the past? Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, he's not going to what he feels or what he thinks or even what his advisors say. Come on, say amen, somebody. He's going to what the word says because why? Because the word settles the issue, folks. Why? The Bible is God speaking to you. And the first place you go when you don't know what to do is you go to the book that tells you what has happened and it tells you what will happen. It's all in the book. Turn name is all in the book. But then listen, he's even speaking the future. He says, if, verse 9, if when evil come upon us, as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine. In other words, if armies come to take us down, if famine, sickness, or disease comes against us, we stand before this house in thy what? Presence, for thy name is where? In this house. And he says, if we do our part and cry unto thee in our affliction, in other words, he's saying, if we come to you first, then thou will what? Thou will what? Hear and help. He didn't say you might hear. He didn't say when you have time you'll hear. He said, no, you will hear. And you will help. He wasn't being nice about it. He said, you will hear and you will help. What's he doing? He's putting God in remembrance of his word. He's reminding God of what he said. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why is that? Because this was a man 
who knew his who knew, he who, who knew he has rights. This was a man who knows his covenant. He knows what's in that covenant. He knows what it says, and he's taking his position based on what he knows. He's standing before God, and he's reminding him what he said. And God loves it when you do that. Why? Because that's showing him real confidence in him when you do that. It's showing God, I have confidence in you. And what you, and what you what? said. So what happened? Obviously, he searched the scriptures. That's why he's talking the way he's talking. He's at the temple, folks, searching the scriptures. He's finding out. Tell your neighbor, he's finding out. And that's what you need to do. You need to do what? Search the scriptures. Once again, here go that time issue again. Do what? Search the scripture. You need to put the cell phone down and search the scriptures. Don't be talking to everybody asking them, what do you think? Why? Because you don't want their opinion. Tell your neighbor, you don't want their opinion. And say, I don't want your opinion either. Come on. You want to go where? To the scriptures. But I don't know the scriptures. That's where you have problems. That's your fault. And that's why you come to church to learn. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. But look at verse 10. Now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to what? To inherit. They cast us out of your possession, Lord, the land you gave us. Listen, folks, you'll find in the scriptures more than 200 times that the land the nation of Israel now has and much, much, much more belongs to Israel. Come on, we're not talking about what the United Nations is talking about. The Bible says the land belongs to Israel for an everlasting covenant forever. It doesn't belong to the Palestinians. And it don't belong to anybody else. It belongs to Israel because why? God said it. Come on. He said what he meant and he meant what he said. And you'd be surprised of the people that do not like Israel here in St. Thomas. I had a guy approach me this week. You know, I told you where they always get me, right? <laughs> and I'd be minding my own business, right? I want to get into a workout, and I'd be trying to say, don't talk to me, please don't talk to me. If I talk to me, y'all going to take my time up. I'm on a time schedule. Miss Pink will be there at 12 o'clock. <laughs> but he comes and he's talking about, well, what do you think about the election? I said, oh, Lord, here we go. And I simply told him, I said, there's five things I was looking at. And I told him the five things. I said, number one, I, talk, I talked about abortion issue. 
Next thing I, I talked about, I said, I, I said um, gay marriage. Then I said Israel. Oh, and I said Israel. He said, Israel. I said, yeah. Why are you thinking about them? Why, why do you think God chose them to be so special? Because I had to explain to him, but he still wasn't listening, but I explained to him anyway. I explained to him, it wasn't that Israel was any special people. It's just that you had a man named Abram that was the only one that answered God when God called. God went to other nations and they rejected him. Abram was the only man that said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, go leave your father and your mother, come on, and go to the land where I tell you to go. And Abraham obeyed him. That's why God chose Israel. It wasn't because they're special. God found somebody that would do what he wanted them to do. And God honored it with a covenant. And there are people that do not like Israel because they don't understand. And that can get you in so much trouble. Because God still going on his word, those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse Israel will be cursed. Come on, are you listening to me out there? Amen, glory to God. But God meant what he said, that land belongs to Israel. That land belongs to Israel. Look at verse 12. He says, oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that come against us. Now, understand this. He understands and he's acknowledging. He's saying, if I'm going to win this war with my power, my might, my ability, I'm in trouble. Because I can't do it. But then he says, neither know we what to do. But our eyes. But our eyes are what? Upon thee. See, most people never get to the butt. They never get to but our eyes. All they get to is, we don't know what to do. We don't have no money. This problem is weighing me down. I'm stressing. It's, I'm stressing. I'm stressing. I'm stressing. This thing is stressing me out. It's weighing me down. But this man's saying, our eyes are on you. In other words, he's saying, I'm not looking at how many armies I'm facing. I'm not looking at how many cavalry men that I'm facing. I'm not even looking at the weapons of mass destruction that are coming at me. I'm not looking at any of that. My eyes are on you. So if I'm in a situation and I don't know what to do, what should I be doing? First of all, making sure I'm clean. Number two, make sure I don't panic. Number three, I'm going to set myself to do what? Seek the Lord. I'm going to watch my mouth. Find out what he says and say that only. Say that only. See, this man tells us he knew where to look. Where does your help come from? 
Where does your help come from? It cometh from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth, folks. So I got to get my eyes on. I got to get my eyes on. I got to get my eyes on. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and with their wives and their children. Notice the whole family. Notice the whole family stood before the Lord. Even the little ones, their wives and their children. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then upon Jehazel and from Zechariah and the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, and the son of Metaniah, and the Davites of the son of Asaph came the what? Came the what? Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. What happened when everybody, the entire family, stood before the Lord? The entire family stood before the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord came in the midst. Let me say that again. When the entire family, he said, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, with their wives, and their children. When they stood, the whole family stood before the Lord. That's why you shouldn't have your, let your teenagers sit down on the Lord when they're going to praise and worship. Why? Because you want the presence of God in your family. Because it's not just you dealing with the situation. Whatever situation you're dealing with, they're affected by that situation. So they should know they play a part. Come on. They play a part in us getting our breakthrough. Come on, are you with me out there? It said the Spirit of the Lord was in the midst of the congregation and he said, he even starts speaking. Hearken ye all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor be dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. But who? But God's. The battle is not what? Yours. But whose is it? But God's. Now, here, God brought a prophet of God to bring forth what he wanted to say. And that's one method God will use. God can speak through another person to you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, what's different today as opposed to then is they were not born again. To your neighbor, they weren't born again. Their spirits were not recreated. They were not new creations in Christ Jesus they didn't have the Holy Spirit within them. Do you hear me? Today, we don't have to wait for Reverend, Doctor, Bishop, Prophet, Supernatural, so and so. Let me say that again. Today, we don't have to wait for Reverend, Doctor, Bishop, Prophet, Super Spiritual, so and so to come and prophesy to us. Then we're ready to believe and move on something. Lord, have so-and-so speak to me when he comes. You don't have to have so-and-so speak to you. 
Today the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 4, what's the Bible tell us? 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. For greater is he that is what? In you than what? Than he that is in the world. Greater is he. That means there's a greater one where? Where? On the inside of you, and he's greater than anything that's in this world. We'll go to 1 John 2.20. Greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 reads, But you have an unction. The word unction means anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And it says, you know all things. Who knows all things? Who knows all things? Who knows all things? The word know here means you perceive, you are aware, and you understand all things. Why? Because God is on the inside of you. And sometimes we forget that. Come on, God is where? On the inside of you. Yes, the Lord may use the word of the Lord across the pulpit. He may bring a prophet to speak to you. He may use other methods, but on the other hand, you don't necessarily need that. Why? Because on the inside of you, listen to this now, on the inside of you is the prophet of God himself. Oh, you hear what I just said. On the inside of you is the prophet of God himself. Why are you looking for something external when he's right there? Oh, come on. Inside you is the Holy Spirit, folks. Look at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him does what? By the where? By the where? In you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is the truth, and is no lie, even as it, listen, even as it has taught you, you shall what? Abide in him. Listen, if you abide in him, take up residence in him, and listen to him. He will teach you what you he will teach you what to do when you don't know what to do. But you gotta what? You gotta abide in him. You gotta take up residence in him. That means you also gotta listen to him. And what he'll do? He'll give you instructions on what to do. He'll give you what steps to make. And you can do it all, and guess what? You may not even have an outward display. All you have is just a voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Come on, are y'all listening to me out there? Amen? See, we're asking everybody else what to do. We're not, we're not looking inward. It's right on the inside of you if you take the time to get in his presence. If you take the time to pray in the Holy Ghost more. And that's still what people don't want to do. 
They still don't pray in the Holy Ghost enough. They don't still, they still don't commune with the Holy Ghost enough. Come on. So what happens? They're looking everywhere else for the answer. Going around asking everybody else for the answer. Bypassing the answer on the inside. It's right there, folks. If you just pray in the Holy Ghost more and get silent before God, God will start speaking to you. Okay. Romans 8, 14. It says, for as many as are what? Led by the what? They are the what? Those that are what? Led. So what he had? You have the leading of the Spirit. Come on. You have the revelation of the Spirit. It's all where? On the inside of you. Tell your neighbors, on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is a safe guide, folks. And you can listen to the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Come on, I with me out there. If you seek God and you spend time before him, the Holy Spirit will give you that, what Papa, Papa Higgins talks about, he'll give you that peace on the inside. Papa Higgins used to call it a velvety smooth feeling. If you seek God and spend the time before him, he will give you that velvety smooth feeling on the inside. Now, on the opposite of that, you can have an uneasiness in your spirit. You ever had that? Well, you sense on the inside there's something wrong here. Something is not right. Now, everybody else may say it's all right. But in here, there's an uneasiness giving you a sensing that this isn't the deal that you thought it was or everybody else thinks it is. And if you get that, you need to hold up right then and there. Stop what you're doing. But it's right here, folks. Where? Inside of me. Now go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. The Lord gave them instructions. The Lord gave them instructions. The Lord gave them instructions. And if you spend enough time with the Lord, he will give you specific instructions. Let me say that again. If you spend enough time with the Lord, he will give you specific instructions. What's the key to that? Spending what? Enough time. Spending what? Enough time. Now, once you get the instructions, walking out the instructions is where faith Hallelujah. I don't think it's my mic.
Sound like Woody the Woodpecker somewhere. <laughs> oh, already God. Second Chronicles 2015. Once again, the Lord gave them instructions. And once again, if you spend enough time with him, the Lord will give you specific instructions. And once you get those instructions, walking out those instructions is where faith comes in. Those are things the Lord says to him. Verse 15. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus said the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor dismayed by the reason of this what? Great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but who? But God. He tells them, don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Come on, we talked about that. Making decisions out of fear or making decisions out of anger, every time it will be the wrong decision, and it can have disastrous consequences far beyond what you could ever realize, folks. Amen? He not only says, be not afraid, but he also says, be not dismayed. Somebody say, be not dismayed. Today, we would say, be not depressed. Let me say it again. Be not depressed. Don't allow yourself to be depressed. Let me say it again. Don't allow yourself to be depressed. You control that. Let me say it again. You control that. Don't allow yourself to be depressed. Don't get in a room, pull down all the shades. Unplug the telephone, turn off the cell phone, cancel your Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all the other accounts. And don't put on some crying music. And start talking to yourself. Because the only one hearing you is the devil. And you and him having a good conversation. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Saying, I ain't going to talk to nobody, but devil, you and devil having a good conversation. But you ain't talking to nobody now. Amen. Saying, I'm just going to stay in bed and eat this five gallons of ice cream right here. He said, don't do that. To your neighbor, don't do that. Don't ever get into the woe is me. What am I going to do? Don't ever get into that mode, folks. And listen here. You have to watch the music you listen to. Because music is a very powerful tool. See, God created music. Satan didn't create anything but fear. Come on. And Satan just distorts what God has already created. And, but you have to understand, music carries with it the ability for victory. Let me say it again. Music carries with it the ability for victory. If you got the right music, it'll make you get up and do the right thing. But if you get the wrong music... 
it'll make you get up and do the wrong thing. Come on, listen to me. Music is extremely powerful. I hope you parents are listening. If you didn't know it, music will make your body move. Come on, we went to the basketball game Friday. And when they played certain music, I almost wanted to get up and dance. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. And there was a little boy who was over there on the stands. And he would just go off every time in the movie. I don't even think he came there to watch the game. He was just waiting for the music. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because music will make anybody move. Come on, you could be in, in costume as one of them stores, and they start singing them old, uh, they're playing them oldies but goodies, and, and, you, and you catch yourself singing. <laughs> and sometimes that music will put you right back in the situation where you heard that music. You start remembering where you were in the back seat of that car. Let <laughs> me act like y'all super spiritual. Y'all know what that song was playing. Glory to God. That's why you need to get the right stuff. Why? It will affect your mood. That's why the blues gives you the blues. And another music will get you to jumping. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because music will affect your mood. Tell you, music will affect your mood. So what you do, amen, what you want to do is you want to get the word and get victory-based music. Let me say it again. The word and victory-based music. If you can't get out that room, you need to put some music on that will make you rise up and say, devil, it's on. Come on, I'm blessed in the city. Come on. I'm blessed when I come. No weapon. Come on. It won't work. It matters what you play in your CD player. It matters what you play on Pandora. It matters what you have blasting in those headsets. If the music you have in your ears is saying, all police officers are bad. The black people are bad. The white people are bad. The women are bad. They this and they that and they this and they that and they blank blank that and they that like that and the men are no good and they that blank 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 blank. Come on, say amen, somebody. Of all your music said, everybody going to hell and you can't trust anybody. Lyrics matter. Say it again. Lyrics matter. Even, your, even though your body is moving to the music, the lyrics are getting into your soul. 
And that's what's wrong with a lot of kids out here today. You're trying to teach them one thing, but they're spending six hours a day listening to music that's telling them opposite of what you're saying. Who do you think is going to win? Not you. I'm preaching good in here. So you got to watch that, folks. And you listen. Another thing, you can't tell them to tell them what not to do if you're doing it yourself. You can't tell them nothing if you're doing it too. That's one of our kids' problems. They say, you did it. Are you doing it? <laughs> Hello. So don't be afraid. And don't let yourself get what? Depressed. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Why? Because the moment you put your head down, that's when you get knocked out. Ask any boxer. The last thing you want to do is drop your head where you can't see your opponent. Your opponent was right in front of you. But when you dropped your head, he moved. And when you look back up again, all you seen was stars. Because why? He just knocked you out. Tell three people, keep your head up. Come on, the Lord is talking to somebody right now. The Lord is talking to somebody right now. Get your head up. Come on. If you came in here dragging, expecting a word from the Lord, well, you got your word. Get your head up. Come on, get your shoulders back and understand who you are. You are someone with a covenant from God. Get your head up. <laughs> yeah, but life's not fair. Listen, everybody in here has a sob story. Everybody in here can tell you about an unfair situation in their life. Come on, raise your hand if you ever had faced an unfair situation. <laughs> come, on. come on. Listen, it's not the fact that unfairness has come your way, folks. It's what you do to go through the unfairness. Because no one can stop you but you, when God is with you, or you're with God. No one. No one. Matter of fact, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So get your head up. You have no reason to have your head down if you're a child of God. And he tells you right here, if you think you're the only one that's going through what you're going through, 
he said, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there has no temptation taking you, but such as is common to every woman, every man, every boy, every girl, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. And evidently, God knows more about you than you. God said, you can handle this. Then he said, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So why in the world you got your head down? The Good News translation reads it this way. Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. <laughs> that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise. And he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power. To remain what? Firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a what? Way out. That's my God. The living Bible reads this way. But remember this. The wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you. And no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this and will do what he says. He will show you. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. So he says he will give you the strength to endure it. He'll show you how to escape temptation's power. He's saying you. See, it's, about, it's all about what you do and how you handle and use what God has given you and what God has shown you. But it's you. Turn neighbor, you. Go back to 2 Chronicles 20, 15. Chapter 20, verse 15. So don't be getting to that, woe is me. Why is all this happening just to me? He ain't no about they call not my shata. Get your head up. Get your head up. Verse 15, he said, Hearken you all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but who? God. The battle is not yours, but who? Why, God's saying, they're messing with me now. That's what God, God said. They're messing with me now. You're in covenant with me. So now they're messing with me. So you know what that means, right? Come on, your hands are too short to box with God. 
He said, verse 16, listen to this now. Verse 16, it says, tomorrow, go you down against them. <laughs> now, most of us look and say, wait, 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 wait a minute, God. Wait, 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 wait. You want me to go down against them. <laughs> I, didn't you just say you were handling the problem? <laughs> so why don't you just handle the problem, big God? Hello? Why I got to go? <laughs> he says this because why? You are at least required to show up for the fight. You got to show up for the fight. Why? Because faith requires steps to be taken. Faith requires action on your part. In fact, faith is acting on what you believe. Come on, are you with me out here? So if you believe and you have a word from the Lord and you believe that word, then you can't act like that word is not so. You can't take the position, well, God, you said you're going to win. We're going to win this thing. But I ain't going down there because if I go down there, we're going to lose. Something's wrong with that. So he says, go you down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. So you can't make an excuse, I couldn't find them or I got lost. <laughs> I'm telling you where they're at. I took the wrong road, God. Come on. <laughs> he said, you'll find them at the end of the brook. Before the wilderness, what's he doing? I'm telling you where they are. Verse 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand you still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. He said, first of all, he said, set yourself. Set yourself. Set yourself means to place as a as to place as to stay. To place as to stay. What is this? This is a mental attitude. Now we know physically, but mentally first, you have decided I am not moving. Mentally. You have mentally decided this is my place, this is my victory, this is my home, this is my family, this is my job, this is my position, whatever it is, mentally you have to go, this is mine. It's got to be mentally first. You got to mentally say, listen, God's the one that gave me this. And I'm not moving, I'm not quitting, and I'm not retreating. The problem is we have too many Yellow Street Chris Christians. The moment a challenge comes, they're ready to fall apart. Oh, I'm preaching good here. Man. If I do that, somebody might talk about me. 
They may not understand me. Everybody in this room has been talked about one time or another. Because people have a tendency to smile in your face and stab you in their back. You know that song, smile in your face. The backstabbers, come on. All the time they want to take your place, come on. <laughs> you know that song. And the ones that will stab you the deepest will be the ones you did the most for. Did you hear me? They will stab you and cut you the quickest and they'll cut you the deepest. Why? Because Satan uses them because he knows that's the one that will have the greatest effect on you. Am I talking to anybody in here? Then he goes on to say, fear not. He says it again. Nor be dismayed. Don't get depressed. Get your head up. He said, tomorrow, go out against them. Tomorrow, do what? Go out against them. If you keep looking at the circumstance, you will get depressed. If you keep looking at the circumstance and you keep rehearsing the circumstance, you will get depressed. You can't just keep looking at the bills and keep looking at the bills like looking at the bill like your look is going to change the bill. <laughs> what you looking at, then you hopefully open up and say zero, zero, zero. <laughs> you look at the same pile of bills every day. And you've seen them bills already. Come on, say amen, somebody. You already know what they say. So you need to stop looking at the bills. Stop looking at your situation. Stop looking at your circumstance. Come in, come in, come in, and start looking at the word every day. Come in, start looking at the word every day. Come in, start looking at the word every day. Come in, start looking at the word every day. Why? Because what you put in front of your eyes will affect you. And there are people you don't need to put in front of your eyes. Because every time you see them, they remind you of defeat. Look at verse 17. Once more time. You should not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand you still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah, Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, 
for the Lord will be with you. Lift your hands and give God praise. For the Lord will be with you. For the Lord will be with you. Come on. For the Lord will be with you. Hallelujah. He's going to be right there, folks. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Hello? Uh, what happened to your silverhead man up there? <laughs> the Lord will be with you, folks. He'll be right there with you. Right there with you. So many times we think we're going through this thing by ourselves. And when we do that, that's when depression comes. Because we feel in our hearts, nobody understands what I'm going through. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> God understands. <laughs> God understands. And he's saying today, I'm right there with you. Just set yourself. I need you to go to the battle. I need you to go to the fight. Because I need you to come and see what I'm about to do. Because you can't see it sitting in the house. With the shades down and the phone off. And... Come on. I need you to get out so I can show you. You need not fight this battle. But I need you to be there. But I need you to be there. I need you to step forward towards the enemy. He may not, he may be looking at you, but then he sees me. But it does you no good to sit back and sit there and say, okay, Lord, I'll be back here. <laughs> and you go do your thing. <laughs> and that's, that's the way we approach it sometimes. He says, I'm going to be with you. With you means I'm going to be right there with you. Not way out there and you way back here. I'm going to be right there what? With you. Why? Because I understand. When they came against me, they came against my God. I know I have a covenant with God I know what my covenant says I know my rights in God hallelujah 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 so he said be not afraid I 
got this.